started, we ask that all cell phones or electronic equipment be turned off. Even if you think it's off, please make sure this session is being taped. To protect our anonymity, no photography, audio, or visual recording is allowed. The opinions expressed here today are those of individual OA members and do not represent Region 2 or Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. Please remember two hatters, i.e. OA members affiliated with related facilities or other 12-step programs are requested to speak on their recovery in the OA program only. An Ask It basket will be circulated for the question and answer portion of this session. If there is any press in this room, please respect our anonymity by not taking any pictures using a video camera or using our full name. The format for this session is as follows. We have two speakers which will share for 25 minutes each, followed by 15 minutes of question and answer. The topic for this session is spirituality. Our first speaker is Ellen, and our second speaker is Melissa. And um, I will go ahead and get this circulated, and let's welcome Ellen, who will be our first speaker. get the wires out of the way. Good morning. I'm Alan. I'm a compulsive overeater and generic compulsive. Um, to qualify, uh, I've been in this program for 23 years. Um, I've been absent since 1989. Uh, that's 17 years. And uh, for those who have, you know, need to hear about it, uh, so you get a concept. Uh, my recovery has included uh, maintaining a 45-pound weight loss um, and also a 15-pound weight gain because I went to the other extreme. It's the same disease to lose weight or gain weight. Um, my my history um, comes from one of abuse. My father was an extremely brutal man. When I came into this program, I thought he was kind of a borderline alcoholic. And what I came to find out, real, not find out, but realize was he was an absolutely brutal man. He had a pissy attitude from the word go, um, to the extent that I had to do something that people very rarely have to do in therapy. I had to divorce from my parents altogether, uh, just completely emotionally divorced from them. And uh, as a sign of that, uh, the last time that I went to my parents' grave, uh, I walked around looking at all the other people in the family and having feelings about them, and I saw my parents' grave, and I said, oh, okay, that's my parents' grave, and had no feelings about it. And uh, for me, that's been major progress. Um, I had, uh, according to the brain scans, I've got somewhere minimum 20 to 30 concussions from my father. Uh, at one point, my face was caved in. I've had to have my, op my face operated on twice, once just recently, so that I can breathe properly because of damage that was done to me as a child. Um, my mother was, which I haven't mentioned here but so far, but my mother was no peach either. Uh, she was a very compulsive person. Um, she was a very competent person, extremely competent person, and rose professionally to a very high position. But that was back when there was a 
big glass ceiling, and this glass ceiling was very low for women. But uh, she uh, she uh, literally had to take two people to replace her in the company, and both of those people became legends. And I confirmed that myself because I ended up getting engaged to the daughter of one of those legends. Small world. Um, I've had to overcome all that, and I've had to um, essentially do three recoveries. My first recovery was an OA. Um, my second recovery, uh, I had to do a family of origin recovery, where I had to go into heavy therapy. It was basically a full-time job for three months. Uh, and then uh, following that, I had to do a medical recovery because I have ADD. And that was the toughest one of all. Uh, at one point, I was taking 48 pills a day, most of which were stimulants, which I had to take just to get through the psychological changes that I needed to go through because up to that point in my life, I hadn't been able to process all the psychological stuff. And uh, so it's been a long train. And it's it's... It's been the, the one thing that's gotten me through all that, you know, particularly when it came to the medical, because the medical, there was no sponsor for me. My sponsor was my God. My sponsor got me through it. My doctor could say, I think this will work for you, but I can't suggest because he hadn't dealt with many like myself. Every day was a challenge to get up and find out what that day was going to be like because there was no guide. There was nobody that can say, this is what will happen for you. It's what I had to go through. And the same way with the other two recoveries. Each one has been a, a continual progress to where each day for me now, I get choked up when I say it, each day today is a joy. Each day is a wonder. And that's because of the spirituality that, that I've learned in this program. And I'm not here to tell you mine's great or it's the best or anything, but all I can tell you is that it works for me. And if it works for you, take it with you. Um, everything I'm saying here is my opinion, and all I can suggest is what you've probably heard before. Take what you like and leave the rest. Um, if I succeed in my talk here, uh, you'll not only understand spirituality, you'll be able to feel it, particularly for the, hopefully for the newcomers. Um, what is spirituality? Well, you can't see it, you can't touch it or taste it, feel it. You can kind of feel it, but you can't smell it. You know, what's, what's it about? You know, um, my, my, my best analogy for me, and I'm a little bit older, I know they don't do it anymore nowadays in school, but my analogy is in, in a high school pep rally. You go to a pep rally when you're in high school, and you walk in kind of, okay, you know, we're here, and it's a pep rally. Now, how many people here have been to a pep rally? Does everybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody that doesn't? Okay. I understand. <laughs> um, Basically, we used to just for the, the person who doesn't hasn't experienced this. We used to have a pep rally in high schools before a big game, where everybody would go to the gym. And it was the classes were shorter, five minutes every every class, so you had a half hour for the pep rally, and it was to build school spirit. And basically, you kind of have the same thing at most sports events. You get the the spirit from the team going. Um, 
And when you have a pep rally, you're building spirit. You can't see it again. You can't touch it. But what is it? It's, it's, it's kind of like an attitude. It's not exactly an attitude, but it's kind of like an attitude. It's something that builds. It's a feeling. It's an intent. And I think the closest word is, is, is it is an, an intent. Boy, that's a mouthful to say. Um, it, it's an intent to do something, in, the, in that case to, to win a football game or a basketball game. Um, another analogy for me is, and I think we've all experienced this at one time or another, to walk into the great outdoors. You know, have you ever walked into a redwood grove in some of the parks around here, there's redwood groves, and you, you just kind of walk in the middle of a grove of trees, and all of a sudden you exercise what I call the God muscle. Wow. <laughs> and you look up, and you just kind of feel like there's something there that's bigger than you are. And yeah, there's some wood in the trees and all that, but there's something more than just wood and trees and, and the sky and you. To me, that is spirituality. And when I can take that with me, and, and ultimately, for me, what I had to do was incorporate it into me. And that's what the process of building spirituality about, is about, is incorporating it in. You know, newcomers come into this program, it seems like, and they're afraid to get a sponsor. And what it's, I think what it's basically about is a, a fear of trust. But after a while, people, when they realize it's safe here, they learn to trust, they get a sponsor, and then they have a crisis in their life or a, or a problem with their sponsor or something, and all of a sudden they have to go to something greater. And somewhere in that process, we've learned that there's something greater than us. Uh, you know, by the time you get to do the third step, it's a higher power. But whatever that power is, the, the minute that I feel powerless, Step one, all of a sudden, my only hope, the only thing that is going to save my ass is knowing that there's something more powerful than me that can guide me through it. And what, what this program is about is finding that in you or in me and, and building that spirit, that spirituality, so that I know, so that when, I, when it's down and dirty, you know, when I'm, when I'm taking pills and I've got too many pills in me from my psychiatrist, psychopharmacologist, and my head's spinning and I can't breathe right and I can't function right, to know that I'm okay, that I'm going to get through it. And no, nobody, no, no human being can talk you through something like that. You just have to survive it. But my higher power has been there with me for that. That's my spirituality knowing that I can get through that, knowing that I'm going to survive it. Um, I think one of the strongest spirituality things of all is the attitude of the meaning. And even for the old-timers, I know, and, and for everybody, it, it seems like we don't always realize the strength of the meeting. If you stop and think about it, everybody that's here is here with a thought in mind. They're here to learn about our topic today is spirituality. You go in the next room, it's a different topic. But each person that's here came with that attitude, or if you will, spirituality, saying we're going to learn about this topic. And in this program, 
I know as a sponsor, I know how far I'll go to help a sponsoree. And, and, and many of the people who've been around for a long time know that. I'll, I'll be out there digging. I was on the 24-hour call line for 11 years. I got woke up I don't know how many times in the middle of the night, and yet there wasn't one single call that I ever felt bad about in all those years. I was glad to help every one of those people. Why was I willing to pay that price? Because I gained from it, because I was able to help somebody else. You know, one and the same thing. It's, it's my spirituality. And, and those that have been around for a long time, you know, the speakers here and sponsors and people who are further in the steps are here to help other people if you're open to it, if you're willing to develop your own spirituality. And the critical thing is your own spirituality, nobody else's. Nobody tells me what my spirituality <laughs> is. Anybody that has even tried that got ignored, believe me. <laughs> I'm very good at that. Um, what, what, what spirituality is not for me spirituality is not religion religion is a um, version of spirituality that never changes um, re to me religion is spirituality cast in stone it, it doesn't change um, spirituality is not a ooh, ooh, ooh type thing. It's something that works day to day to day in my life. When I know that I'm connected, I can get through most anything. When I know I'm not connected, when I feel weak, when I feel alone, one of the worst nights I've had in years was last night when I started thinking and, you know, this little thinking mind goes grinding away. Last night, I was thinking to the effect, what if these people listen to me and they reject me? Now, this is my, you know, this is my program. This is my heart, 23 years. What happens if they reject me? That, that, that would be a very deep rejection for me. And I, I wanted to eat more than I wanted to eat in years. But I still knew. I knew that my higher power, no matter what anybody in this program says now, because I've moved to a higher level for me, no matter what anybody in this program would say to me, I know I'll be okay because my higher power will be there for me. And if everybody booed me out of the room right now, I would still be okay. I may have made a mistake in what I said or said something offensive or whatever, but the important thing was and is that I know my higher power is there for me. And if I make a mistake like that, it's okay. I can still love and accept myself because that's the result of the spirituality. I can love and accept myself and walk out and say, gee, I guess I blew that one. I don't think I want to do that again, whatever it is, and, and come back and do what I need to do again and keep coming back. They learned in World War II that 12-step guys, 12-step soldiers, were the toughest soldiers on the battlefield. Nobody could stop them because they knew what they were there to do and they knew they had the spirituality and the power behind them. They had a higher power to walk them through and keep on fighting. And the same thing has, has been true in every war since then. 
the thing the thing that I want to mention about spirituality that for me kind of is almost the defining point of spirituality is that spirituality is alive. It's 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 only in the moment. A, a, a twist on an old saying in the program is you must be present to win. That's all the way you get. Um, How does spirituality affect us as 12-step people, and what can it do for us? Well, I've already said some about that, but I'm going to go a little bit deeper into that. Um, it makes us feel connected. Ten minutes yet? Thanks. Um, I'm proud of myself. I'm right on time, and I'm always a long speaker, <laughs> especially if I got clocked at a meeting 22 minutes. Um, Spirituality makes us feel connected, and that feeling of being connected overcomes our greatest weakness, feeling alone. Um, you know, as as it's often said, we're we're egomaniacs with an inferiority complex. We're over here and we're over here at the same time. When I'm connected spiritually, I don't have to be over here and I don't have to be over here. You know, I don't have to be up here or down here, the highs or the lows. I can be right here. I know that when I feel sad, I'm going to get through it. I know that when I feel happy, I'm going to get through it. You know, there's plenty of people here that know what it's like to eat when you're happy, just as much as eating when you're sad. But as long as I'm centered, I can get through it. Is that, can anybody understand what I'm, the, the feeling I'm talking about? And it, it took years of experience to um, develop this feeling. And um, one of the things that, that was an experience for me along the way, I, I met a woman in a, in a church, and, and you kind of learn that you can pick up things everywhere you go. And um, this woman kept... She told me, as we were talking, we were driving, and she kept telling she told me, she said, I'll, I'll talk to God about that. And 30 seconds later, she had an answer, or, or sooner. And what she showed me was that she was having a constant con a conversation with God. That constant conversation, I, 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 can't, I haven't achieved that. For, for me, my relationship is more of, I do my part, and when I can't do my part, then I turn to God. It's more like a newcomer's approach, but for me, that, that works. And I found, too, trying to turn over, trying to do the third step, step prayer, turning my will and my life over to the care of God as I understand Him. For me, I got resentful of that, and I actually had to back off of that. And once I did, and once I realized, for me, it's not about me running anything. It's not about God running anything. It's about a, a partnership. God is my partner, and he walks with me. He's in charge when it comes down to an outright who's in charge, but God is right there with me. Um, he's been with me so much, my higher power, that I remember I was in Mexico in a little town, I don't speak Spanish. I was in, or Mexican. 
I was in a little town on a beach, feeling really alone. I was with two people. The, the one guy was literally a spastic, tried to start a fight with me, you know, the whole bit. And, and we were traveling in my, my boat and my truck. That's all we had. And uh, it had broken down. We bent the axle on the boat trailer. There was a lot of nasty stuff. And just when I was feeling my worst, I was walking, on, walking down the beach, you know, and there was another 12-stepper that spoke English. What are the chances of that happening in a town of 800 people deep in Mexico? I had another experience where I was in Russia. And this was 1987, for those that are maybe a little older in here can remember that things were pretty tense back then between Russia and the United States. And I went over as a citizen diplomat. And so we were in kind of in a weird position that we could really feel the, the warmth of the people, which was tremendous. We'd get hugged three, four times a day walking down the street. And at the same time, we could feel that coldness. We got interviewed by the KGB, you know, and they were, they, they were real upfront about their coldness, you know. Um, it, it's, it, it was rough stuff. And we got bounced between those two. And all of a sudden, I realized that the group I had gone with was a bunch of sex addicts. They were running back and forth from bedroom to be or, you know, hotel room to hotel room and jumping into bed with one another. And they were not doing how I want to function as a person. Um, you know, they, they needed SLAA, the 12-step program for sex and love addicts. And, and I, need, I felt alone. I felt completely separate. I'm in a country where I, there, there's, no, there's no Americans there. You know, there's, there's nobody there to help. And I still found another 12-stepper. Now this was, for me, it was 20, you know, this was 20 years ago. But what I now know is I can find, it doesn't have to be a 12-stepper. I can find somebody who's willing to talk to me to tell me what I need to hear. It's not about finding the person. It's about the willingness to hear because the people are always there. God is always there. In some way, spirituality is there. The power is always there. I just have to reach out. It's up to me to reach out and be open to it. Um, I'll give a, a last example of it. I, I was in a situation. Uh, I had my own business for, had it for many, many years. And I went into court without an attorney. And I'm not an attorney. I went into court to argue a motion. And I was losing. And all of a sudden, I realized the attorney on the other side was telling me what I needed to know to win my own motion. And I took what he said, and I went with it, and I won the motion against an attorney. You know, God speaks in strange ways. I just have to be willing to listen. When it comes to food, if I listen to my higher power, I always know what's right even though my self-will may try to ignore it. Uh, when, my, when, I turn my hunger to over, when I turn my hunger over to God, it always comes out okay. God says, you know, um, you don't need that. And then I have to do what God says. But the answer is always there. And it used to be very confusing. I remember in my first years of abstinence, uh, I, I, you know, I don't know if I'm after, actually when I was fighting to get abstinence, I'd go six months and lose it and six months and lose it. 
and I found when I when I when I didn't know what was going on, that was my own brain saying, "Hey, you know, we're going to confuse you a little bit just so you don't know and and can pretend, you know." But the real answer was I did know, and and invariably, I don't for me for me, I found that was never wrong. If if I didn't know if I was abstinent, I wasn't. If I knew that I was abstinent, I was abstinent. But that was my higher powers communicating to me. That was the spirituality for me. Um, when I turn my hunger over to God, it comes out okay, and it takes away the compulsion. Um, in general, the more that I trusted my higher power over the years and been able to communicate with it, the more the compulsion in general has been removed. It just very rarely comes up. Last night was the first time in, in, in years that I've had to fight it. And for me, psychologically, that, that was a major thing, really major thing. So it, it, it's, it's, it works on different levels. And when it seems like it's not working, it can still be working for you. And please hear that. If you just are open to trust just that much, that's all it takes. That's all you're, you're not required to do anything, but if you're willing to do it, then there's a spirituality there that will unwrap you and fold you and give you the love that centers us and gives us our strength that most of us didn't get when we were kids, that didn't get a balanced center put in, inside of us. Now I have a fire inside of me, and that fire is very alive. And I love every day when I wake up in the morning. It's just great to wake up and enjoy the day. Um, a couple things I want to mention in, in closing. Um, what's the difference between attitude and spirituality? Um, I have control over attitude. You know, I can change my attitude. An attitude is sort of an element of spirituality, but it's not quite the same thing. Spirituality is outside of me, um, and it's greater than me. The spirit of this group is much greater than, than Alan or, or anybody else here. To me, again, everything I'm saying is my opinion, but the spirituality is greater, and I can reach out to it and depend on it. Um, I'd like to make a suggestion here, if you don't want to participate in what I'm suggesting, it's not you know, required. Um, I'd like to suggest that everybody here just take a couple seconds. I'm finished. Just take a couple seconds and look around the room and look in the eyes of the other people in this room and just see if you can see spirituality. Now, you may not see it in every person, but just look around and see if you can see it. Just take about 10, 15 seconds and just kind of look around. Just look deep in the eyes. Okay, now, in everybody doing that, did, did anybody experience what I'm talking about? Did you kind of feel something? Even though that person, nobody, I don't think anybody here was consciously giving out anything, or if they were, that's their own little thing. <laughs> but, you know. Far be it from us to try to control. 
but but in experiencing that I would suggest that you spend the rest of the day looking at other people through this convention and see if you see the same thing in them and look when you go outside take the time to just look at a tree and and see if you can see that spirituality in that tree that tree is getting 50 gallons the average tree is getting about 50 gallons of water a day some force is feeding that water to that tree some giving it oxygen and all the various things when you look at that tree, see if you can feel that spirituality. If you want to call it God, you can call it God. But for me, it's spirituality. And all I can say is, I can tell you it's made my life a hell of a lot different. And I hope it helps somebody else here. Thank you. Thanks, Alan. Our next speaker is Melissa. Hi, everyone. I'm Melissa. I am definitely, definitely a compulsive overeater. Oh, glad to be here today. So I hear we're talking about spirituality today. And steps 3 and 11. And before I start, I'll qualify real quick. Um, I've been in these rooms since 1991 where I was delivered here. Um, to save me. And I had no idea that's what was going to happen. Um, I celebrated in March uh, 15 years of abstinence and sobriety with my food and um, about an 80-pound weight loss um, that I've basically maintained for that time. And that's remarkable for somebody like me who is absolutely addicted to food. I am... I am Truly, I don't think any different than somebody who's addicted to crack or somebody who's addicted to alcohol. I just use food. My brain and my wiring, I believe, is exactly, exactly the same. I'm an addict. I don't ever want to feel bad. I don't ever want to feel. I don't ever want to feel sad. I don't ever want to feel any of those bad feelings. And um, I medicate myself with food. That's what I do. Um, left to my own devices and without a program and without a higher power. I don't even know that I'd still be here. Um, when you guys found me in 1991, it wasn't, it really, the weight on my body was secondary to the weight on my heart and my soul and how bankrupt I was and had no idea. I had no idea I was as bankrupt as I was. And I'm here to also tell you that my experience is that no matter what any of us come from, and I've got a real ugly history of um, some ugly physical abuse and emotional abuse and craziness and dysfunction in my house. But I promise you that a bad childhood does not condemn you to a bad life. That is one of the things that this program has taught me, amongst the other millions of things that this program has taught me. This to me is a life-saving, life-changing program. It absolutely is. Um, so, now that being said, let me talk to you guys a little bit about steps 3 and 11. 
Step three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. That's hard to do on a regular basis every day. I like to get involved in God's business because I know he's busy. So I want to, I want to, there's a lot of things going on. So I want to, I want to extend my reach farther than I really can. The other thing I know about step three is that for me it depends on step one and two. Those three are really linked together. I have to know at the deepest part of my being that I am powerless over my drug of choice. That once I get a bite of it or a taste of it, whatever my alcoholic food is, something happens to me. And we talk, they talk about this in the big book. Something happens to me because I am wired different than a normal eater. And I begin to develop um, an allergy of the body and an obsession of the mind. And those two things together are definitely bigger than me. Absolutely and without question bigger than me. So if my eating disorder is bigger than me, then I need to find something bigger than it. And that isn't me. That's got to be God or nature or whatever that is for you. I realize that spirituality is absolutely, in my experience, linked with faith. And faith, I, and, uh, so an acronym, an acronym came to me around this a while back, and faith is F-A-I-T-H, feeling as if I trust him or trust higher power or trust her, whatever, again, whatever that is for anybody. It requires trust. It also requires that I let go and that I don't try and control everything. And my base nature is to control everything. And underneath that is fear. Absolutely fear. Fear is underneath every one of my character defects, including my need to control because I don't feel safe in the world. Um, so, spirituality to me is linked with a kind of a faith. And when I think of faith, I remember an exercise, an exor- a trust exercise that I've seen done over the years where you fall backwards and you have somebody catch you. Oftentimes that's what comes to me when I think of faith. I am, I am a, an accountant by profession, and boy, I love when things are real concrete and real provable. That is where I'm most comfortable. I like things to be solid and provable, and, and I, like, I like things to be seen. Well, the tricky part of this from my, from my experience is that this can't be seen. And if I'm looking for my faith or my spirituality or my God here, I won't find him because I've got a mind that says, oh, that, that just, that's not real. That's not going to happen. Prove it. And I can't prove it here. I can only prove it here. Um, but my wiring is to look here in my head. I need to look for God in my heart. So it requires, spirituality for me requires a faith, it requires a trust, it requires a letting go of control, which I do most imperfectly. I'm not perfect about any of this, you guys. I Believe me, I struggle. I do. I don't want to give up control. And I had um, a doctor once tell me that just because it's out of your control doesn't mean it's out of control. 
which I thought was brilliant because if it's out of my control, then surely it's out of control because I just, you know. Uh, And all of this requires a power greater than me. Well, I know for certain that my eating disorder is a power greater than me. Um, I absolutely know that for certain. When I forget or when I can't visualize or I don't believe in a power greater than me, then the simplest thing for me to do is think about things in nature. And one of the easiest things for me to do is to think about the tides that come in and out. I could go down to the beach and scream all day at the tides for them to stop. And you know what? They're just going to keep going in and out. It's a power greater than me. I can't stop that. I can't wish it away. I can't hope for it to be different. It just is what it is. It's bigger than me. I live in the Los Gatos Mountains, and we live amongst these incredible redwoods that are probably 200, 150, 200 feet tall. That's the power greater than me. I can't build that. I can't make that. That's the power greater than me. So when I forget about that, I like to think about nature. The other thing, and forgive me because I'm skipping around, the other thing that I think about in terms of spirituality is truly how my recovery is a partnership with God. I believe that God expects me to do some things. That it's not 100% about God doing things for me. God wasn't going to get up this morning and exercise and get up early and make sure I got here on time. That's not God's business. That's my business. That's mine to do. But for all the other stuff that I cannot do, that's got to be God's business. Um, And sometimes I want to make it my business. Because one more time, I'm a fear-based person and I want to control everything because I am afraid. I'm afraid of not getting what I want or losing what I have. And they talk about that in the literature. That's what I'm afraid of. And when I think about, and one more time, forgive me, I am skipping around a little bit. When I think about where that dividing line is between what my piece is and what God's piece is, I think of an analogy about, and I share this all the time because it makes it very clear to me, about a pitcher in a baseball game who practices and practices and practices and the day the game comes and he goes up to the mound and he throws the ball. Everything to the point where the ball leaves his hand is his business. God's not going to practice and he's not going to walk up to the mound. He's just not going to do that. That's not his job. The ball leaves his hand and it's not his business anymore. And things happen. Things happen that I am sure the pitcher wouldn't like to happen, but they happen. So my challenge is to let God guide me to where that point is and let him have the rest. That is very difficult to do at certain times. It really is. I'm not going to lie to you guys. It's difficult to do. However, I realize that my serenity depends on it. Because when I start getting involved in God's business, I end up making myself crazy. My control stuff just comes up. And I start to make myself nuts. And it's sort of like a, a mouse on a wheel. I'm just going and going and going, and I'm really not going anywhere. But there's the illusion that I'm getting somewhere. And this stuff is all very, very timely for me right now. I I relocated to this area a number of months back, and the last couple of months I've been on a job search. And boy, oh boy, oh boy, is spirituality and God and faith just up for me. 
I tell you, it's really up for me. And it is, it's challenging. It's very challenging. And what that makes me do and what that really leads me to do or guides me to do is to work harder. It's to work harder on connecting with God. And I have to tell you guys, I'm not always connected. I don't always believe. But what I do every single day, every day is I reach. Every day I reach. Some days I feel connected. Some moments. Some days I don't. But I reach every day. And step 11 is part of what I do to reach. So I have a morning routine that usually takes about a half an hour and it involves 10 minutes of writing and 10 minutes of reading and 10 minutes of praying on my knees. Now, I know that for some people that's a little uncomfortable to do for religious reasons and whatnot, but for me that seems to work. When I'm on my knees, it just says, God, I I surrender, I give up. Which is, in my experience, one of the best things I can do for my spirituality and one of the hardest places to get to. Because I want to do things. I want to make things happen. I want to push through things. But the reality is that surrender is one of the greatest gifts I can have. And one of my favorite surrender prayers, one word, whatever, whatever you want. I mean, sometimes it's got to be as simple as that, whatever. I want to make it all wordy and everything. But, you know, that one word, that one word, I think, sums it up for me. Whatever. And that means I need to have courage and courage in the sense that how things turn out may not be the way I want them to turn out. I want God's will to be in line with my will. I find it much more challenging to align my will with God's will. That's a lot more challenging. Um, So I reach for God. I reach for God every single day because truly my life depends on my doing that. It really does. I'm under no illusion today. I know that if I pick up my alcoholic food, I will be gone. I have... There's, I like to think that there's 15 years of pizza technology that I have, I have missed out on. <laughs> and I have. You know, I mean, my, my eating disorder will make up for 15 years in about two weeks. I am not cured of this thing that I have. I may look normal on the outside. My wiring is still as screwy as it was when I walked in here. I have emotional, spiritual, and physical recovery, but my wiring is just absolutely screwy. My wiring around food is, to my belief, never going to change. It is like taking a Volkswagen and trying to make it into a Porsche. I can never do it. They're both cars, but one will never be the other. It simply does not work that way. I will never be a normal eater. And I can tell you, sure as I'm standing here, I'm not one today. (laughs) Um, I love food. I just love food. I love my, my sober food. I love it. There are still days, especially recently, where my abstinent meals take the edge off. It's my wiring. It just is what it is. So I'm under no illusion that my wiring is going to change. And so in order for me to recover and have a life today that doesn't involve eating all day long or obsessing about food or body or weight or calorie counting or whatever, it means that I need to bring God into my day. So one of the ways I do that is that I pray before I eat. And I can do that in front of anybody and nobody knows that I'm doing it. Essentially, it's very simple, very quietly. God, thank you for this sober food. 
thank you, and sometimes thank you that I'm not eating the way I used to. It's a miracle, you guys, for somebody like me with my background in history and addiction. It's a miracle that I do not eat 24 hours a day, every single day. It's a miracle that I am not thinking about food or weight or body every moment of every day. That I'm not looking for the next diet. There is no diet for somebody like me. Um, There is only a food plan, a program, tools, meetings, sponsor, and God. And i got to tell you guys that I believe, thank you, that I believe that I do my part and God will save me from the first compulsive bite today. And even if I feel shaky, even if I feel scared, I just go with that. And I've seen it happen again and again and again and again. There have been times where I've had to pray to get from one meal to the next. And in order to ensure that I get from one meal to the next, God has given me some tools, and some of those tools involve making commitments. So I commit, I'm done with my lunch, which I did yesterday. I had to do that. I finished my lunch, and I was full. But as my sponsor and I like to say, I was mouth hungry. I still wanted to eat. I still wanted to eat. Um, So I got to say I'm done with my lunch. That is a... That is like a safety line to God that will ensure that I'm done with my lunch. And sure enough, I didn't eat for the next four hours. I pray in the morning that God take care of my food for me that day, that he please make my food choices for me, pick the amounts that I eat, and pick the times that I eat, and that he bless me with serenity and trust around his his choices for me. My choice is a cow on a giant French roll. That's a burger. That's my choice. God doesn't think I need that much food. I beg to differ some days, but all right. So if I've said that prayer and I go someplace and I order whatever it is I order and the person with me orders the same thing and theirs is bigger and I want to be pissed off, because I do, I remember, wait a second, I prayed that this morning. I guess this is what I need to eat. So that prayer helps me in my day. It helps me know that there's enough. Because I come from a place of never enough. There's never enough food for me. And there's not. There's not enough food for me. Um, There just simply isn't. There's not enough food to quiet that, that monster that lives in me. And it's still alive and well, you guys. I'm under no illusion. Absolutely alive and well. But I need to have something greater than that for me to get through this day abstinently. I think of... I, I, when, when, I, when I think of my recovery, I think of my recovery and my sobriety with my food as being protected by a bubble that God has created. So my recovery goes along with me in my day, and it observes things, but it's not, it can't be hurt by anything that's going on in my world on any given day. So what it says to me is that there's, there's, Many reasons for me to compulsively eat, but there's never an excuse. There's never, it it never needs to happen because God is protecting my recovery. Provided that I do what I know to do on any given day, that I take action. I take action 
God blesses me with his grace, and for one more day, I'm sober with my food. That's how it goes. So my faith really is, excuse me, my spirituality really is a faith. It requires trust, and it requires action. I can't be praying for faith or, or trying to find my spirituality and not doing anything. That, to me, is the kind of stuff I did before I came to program. Let me eat as much as I possibly can, and let me lose weight. And what I didn't understand in that equation was that even if I had lost the weight, that wasn't going to help this. This and this are where the problem is. My stomach is the least of it. You know, to say that I ate when I ate, we only eat when we're hungry, or that hunger is what drives us to eat, is to me like saying an alcoholic only drinks when he's thirsty. I mean, it's just kind of silly to me. Um, So my mind and my heart needed to be changed. I needed to have a change of body and spirit. I couldn't do that. I, I simply can't do that. My loving God has done that over the years that I've been in program. Um, Miraculously. Miraculously. When I think about who I was and what I was when I came in here and you guys found me when I was delivered here in 1991 and who I am today, it's remarkable. Even though these days have been hard, you guys. It's been very hard and very challenging and very discouraging. So when I run out of faith, I borrow it from the people who are dear to me. I borrow it from them. I can borrow my dear friend's faith. I can borrow... My sponsor's got a great God. I borrow him a lot. Um, So I borrow things. And some days, you know what, guys? Some days I can take all the action in the world. I can reach as much as I'm able to. I can borrow all the faith that I can get my arms around and I still don't feel it. You know what? I just keep going. And that in and of itself is a kind of faith. I don't have to be full of faith and full of spirit all the time for this thing to work. All I need to do is take some action, do some reaching, do what's suggested of me in here, and do the day. And somewhere deep down I know, somewhere in the quietest part of my heart and my soul, that things really are okay. Even if they don't look okay right now, they really are okay. And it's been proven to me time and time again that that is really the truth. So, to kind of just wrap up, what my experience is that whatever I'm going through, I can do it and be sober with my food. I can absolutely be sober with my food. In order to do that, I need to take some action. I need to reach for my loving higher power, reach for connection, reach for faith. I need to take step three. And say whatever, whatever you want to do, remembering that step three is very closely linked to step one and two. I can't do it myself. There's something greater than me is obviously helping other people. Okay, you can have it. And step 11 helps me link to step three and helps me link to my God. So it means that I need to, on a daily basis, take some time out from my spiritual program. I need to, and that involves a lot of things, praying and writing and reading, and in my case, exercise. There's a lot of things that are involved in my spiritual program. No matter how I feel, no matter how connected I am on any given day, I do all that stuff. I give some service. I help somebody else. I get out of my head, and you know what? I'll get through the day, and I'll be sober with my food for one more day. I've seen it happen again and again and again. So for anybody who might be struggling, 
please keep coming back, you guys. There really is hope. If somebody like me, if you guys could have caught my act in 1991, um, it was quite remarkable. Um, if somebody like me can be in recovery, I promise you, anybody can. There's nothing magical about my recovery. There is only what I've shared with you guys today. But I take it seriously. I don't skip days. In Southern California, where I'm from and where I found my recovery, um, oftentimes you hear, I can't stay clean on yesterday's shower. It's very nice that I was all spiritual yesterday and did all this reading and writing. and That's very nice, but today is what matters. Today is what counts. So whatever you did yesterday that kept you sober with your food, please do it again today. And then do it again today. And then do it again today. And that is how, in my experience, I recover, recover with God's help. Always with God's help and God's incredible grace. Thank you for letting me share. Okay, we're going to have 15 minutes of question and answers. And I have the questions that have been um given to us already, but if you have any more, we'll send the basket around one more time, and uh, please feel free to write it in and let it go around one more time. Okay. Okay, the first question. Um, this may have been answered, but um, I think we could do it again. Uh, could you describe the difference between spirituality and religion? Can everybody hear me okay? Yeah. If the king can't hear you, the mic is being taken. Yeah. Could you describe the difference between spirituality and religion? My opinion. Spirituality is something that I feel every day and every minute. Something I experience with breathing. To me, and again, this is my opinion, please don't, you know, the, the born again, please don't jump me. But to me, religion is somebody's version of religion, or spirit, I'm sorry, it's somebody's version of spirituality that they want to pass on to somebody else. And they've cast it in stone and said, this is how it is. And, and, it's, and it's kind of like, um, you know, Jesus or Buddha or Lao Tzu or whoever is, uh, you know, our, our various religious leaders. And everybody in their religion thinks that they're part of God. Well, I have a different approach to it personally, but I find it much more workable for me. And I think it shows the definition of between the, the separation between the two. There is God in every one of them. I have something that I can find and learn from Lao Tzu or Buddha or any other God. Who am I as a human being to think that I can possibly define God. God is so much bigger than me and anything I could ever conceptualize. They talk about the universe 
expanding. Has anybody ever thought that this is just our section of the universe that's expanding inside of other universes that are maybe expanding and contracting? You know, and when somebody says it's this way and, and writes it down and says you've got to believe it, you know, there's a should there. And once there's a should, to me, that's when it becomes religion. Does that make sense? Can I answer the question for the person asking? Thank you. Okay. How does your spirituality relate to your body image? Okay, how does my spirituality relate to my body image? You know, what came to me when I was walking up here is, um, essentially, my body is none of my business. Um, it's really not. I want it to be my business, and there are times I've been a little heavier in program and times when I've gone through an anorexic time and I've been thinner in this program. And my body image, really, I do best with it when one more time I say, whatever, there's things I like about it, there's things I don't like about it, but whatever, God, it's, it's your business. As long as I've done everything I can in my power to help it. So that means I stick to my food plan and I exercise and I do my spiritual routine. Once I've done all those things one more time, the ball leaves my hand, it's God's business. So I hope that that answers that question. Oh, before you sit down, person, can you say the acronym for faith again? Oh, yeah. Okay, so faith. Feeling as if I trust him or feeling as if I trust higher power or her or anything that begins with an H. Feeling as if I trust horseradish. That's exactly it. That's your higher power, and it works. Do it. Okay. How do we apply steps three and eleven to our daily life in a tangible way? What do we have to do to be conscious that we are doing it? back. How do we apply steps 3 and 11 to our daily life in a tangible way? What do we have to do to be conscious that we're doing it? Do it. So step 3 to me is recognizing where I'm powerless over things. So it means I'm powerless over the, over the results of those things. And every time I pray or every time I just say whatever, I'm actually putting that into practice. It's my way of letting go and letting my higher power do whatever it is he's going to do. And step 11 is, to me, a step that needs to be practiced. So it's praying. It could be, for me, it's praying before a meal. It's doing my spiritual routine in the morning. It's also action. It's calling my sponsor yesterday and saying, my lunch is done. I'm done eating for the next four hours. So anytime I can take an action that relates to any of these steps, I'm taking the step, doing the step, and doing something practical to connect to that step. So I hope that that answered that question. To me, this is a tough question to answer because it's almost the reverse. 
um, it's you know making it tangible means I have some control to me. I have to let go. Um, I don't know why it keeps coming up to me to say this, but I remember several years ago I had a, a gay woman who was my sponsor, and I called up pissing and moaning about something, and I, you know, I, I said something about asking God or something, and she said, who, and when I least expected it, she said, who in the hell are you to ask anything of God? And that really set me right, because I, I, I'm nothing in front of, of, of the God that I know. It doesn't mean I'm worthless, but I am nothing. I am powerless compared to God. For those who are into logic, by its very definition, God means somebody that's more powerful than me. And I have to let go. I can go so far, just like this, this lady said, I thought quite well. I can take the steps, but at a certain point, I have to know that I can't handle it. I can't stop eating. If I'm sitting, if there's a meal sitting over here and I walk over here and sit down and there's chocolate there, I'm in deep trouble. But I can walk through it by saying, God, I can't handle it, and then turn it over. So, to me, that's a tangible way. It's a tangible result of something that I do spiritually. Thank you. Oh, it's Alan. Would you uh, would you repeat? I have control over my attitude, and then what did you say? <laughs> Actually, I had it written down myself because I want to make sure I said it right. I have control over my attitude. Spirituality is outside of me. It's big spirituality by definition is outside of me and greater than me. Does that answer the question? Okay, this is for both of you. How can you be sure God is speaking to you or can you? My experience with this is that when God speaks to me, it's usually incredibly quiet and very calm. I sort of think, again, I go to nature a lot. I sort of think of sort of a stream and just maybe a leaf floating down a stream where my will is more like a tsunami. (laughs) And typically my sponsor has a saying that works in a lot of situations. And she always says, if you have to ask the question, you know the answer. So I'm asking, if I'm asking the question, is this God's will? It probably isn't. Because when it is, it's usually very sure, very soft, very calm, and very relaxed. Um, yeah, so I thought on that. I, I agree. And, you know, I had one thing for me. It's instant. Um, it's, it's faster than I can possibly think for me. My experience is it just 
when I say, God, I need an answer, it's either, it's either one of two things. It's either instant or it's really slow. <laughs> Painfully slow. But that means that I just have to watch for God's answer because God's answer comes to me in some of the strangest ways. It, 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 it may be from, it's usually from another person, but it, it can be from anything. It can be from a, a light flickering. But I just have to be willing to listen. Three more. I think we have Melissa, you talked about prayer. Do you also meditate? If so, can you talk about that and how you practice that? Are you what you do? I do meditate, and this is kind of a new thing that I've been doing regularly. I used to do it sporadically. And my meditation basically involves just being quiet and sitting still. Um, I have a place in my house where I do that. I set it, I'm very big on timers. I set a timer for 10 minutes, 12 minutes. That helps me to sort of just focus and know that that's my time to be with God. Sometimes I feel connected in that time and sometimes it was just me sitting still and shutting up for 10 or 12 minutes um, but one more time I realized that what's important about it is the practice of it and I, I either sit on the floor with my legs crossed or I sit in a chair with both feet on the floor and I do some breathing exercises in the beginning and I'll focus on my breath or I'll use other techniques um, and it just is what it is. And it just turns out the way it does. And what's important to me one more time is that I sit and do that. And sometimes just doing that is enough. So I hope that answers the question. I, I realized that I didn't really say anything about prayer or meditation. So I want to mention a little something myself. Um, I find that I need to pray not only when I'm in trouble, but sometimes at the end of the day, I find it's really helpful to just say, God, thank you for giving me a good day. Or I need to say, thank you, God, for giving me these redwood groves that I'm standing in. And, and I also believe in meditation. To me, prayer is talking to God, and meditation is listening. Uh, being ADD, I don't meditate well. So. Uh, I do, I've found for me what works about a four-minute meditation. And uh, I learned it doing physical therapy, and I had to lay on my back on a, on a pad, and, or a, a tube about this long, and I just lay there with my arms out. And, I, and it forces, for me, it forces me to breathe. And that's when I'm able to just sit and listen to God's response. Um, I don't care how you get it. Get it is my feeling about it. I did not hear anyone mention the term soul, some kind of spiritual essence within us. Do you feel that spirituality connects with nurturing our soulfulness or whether communicating spiritually with others is a communion of souls? Oh, the soul. You know, that's that's good observation. And 
what I, what I have come to learn in the program is my soul seems to be my deepest connection to me and my God. And there are times where I actually, there have been times in the program where I've actually felt that my soul was aching. Um, and when that happens, I feel it in my heart. So my soul is very connected to my heart. A very hard thing for me to define and describe, but I know that it is a divine connection with my higher power. Um, and anytime I'm reaching for spirituality, reaching for God, reaching for connection, my soul is involved in that just as part of the whole process. Um, yeah. You have anything to add on that? Do you have a daily routine to connect with your higher power? How do you connect throughout the day? I don't exactly know how to answer this one because I'm ADD. <laughs> and that means everything's a little spotty in my life. Um, for me, it, my routine, if you will, is when I start to recognize that I'm overwhelmed, that something's out of my control. I can't tell you exactly how I got to that point. Probably if I thought about it, I could. But right at this moment, I can't tell you how I've reached that point. But now it's when I recognize something's out of my control, then I have to say God and call on God. It's, it's an as-needed basis but it's consistently as needed basis for me. My um, spiritual routine involves, like I said, 10 minutes of writing, 10 minutes of reading, and 10 minutes of prayer in the morning. Um, asking God for direction and guidance in the day. I pray throughout the day. Um, and the evening, it involves 10 to 12 minutes of um, meditation. Get on my knees and I thank God for the blessings of the day. Ask if there's anything I need to write in the day, if there's anything I need to change or amend. And I pray before my meals. I pray before taking certain actions, especially in relation to God, uh, to um, work stuff. I remember God through my day. I do better when I remember than when I don't. And I do better when I pray, which is really to me a way of just trying to connect, than when I don't. So, But those prayers before and after meals, thanking God when I remember. The after part I forget a lot of times. But when I remember to thank God for my sober food and that I've had enough. Thank you. It's now time to close the session. And I'd like to thank our speakers. Thank you very much. And thank you for being our timer also. Um, I, we'd like to close this with the third step prayer. And if you'd like to stand and join me in it, that would be great.
Okay, everybody. God, I offer myself to thee to build with me and to do with me as thou wilt. Release me of the bondage of self that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. May I do thy will always. Keep coming back. It works when you work it and you're worth it. <laughs> okay.